time and never getting it. Yeah, if you look at what we tend to watch on television, you know, it's not all paradises and you know, lovely places. There's, there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of crime, um, fighting and, and all these sort of things. And these shows are really popular. And uh, some of the most popular movies are like this. Uh, that's because we've got this in our psyche. And in some ways, we enjoy these feelings. You know, we could enjoy being on a, a fairground ride, for example, and being frightened. In our psyche, then they come out in our dreams at night. And we can say then we're having a bad dream. But mm. these kinds of dreams are a little bit different from a nightmare, which is a truly terrifying experience. I, I never watch, I have to be honest, particularly at home, I never watch scary movies and I don't really watch, read thrillers or, or that sort of thing. Um, but I do, I mean, regularly, sort of, like we said there, probably once a month, have a pretty nasty dream. Yes, everybody's, um, everybody's mind and emotions are, are full of um, things which we could call negative. Uh, they just... Uh, repeat essentially what's within us in daily life. Can you talk a little bit about some of the symbology? I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but for example, teeth falling out seems to be quite a common one. It has happened to me in my dreams. What does that symbolize? Well, we can find that in lots of different cultures around the world. It's a, um, very, very common. Hmm. Uh, teeth falling out really represents loss of some kind, but uh, it, it also has another meaning because Dreams have different meanings, symbols have different meanings, which is why you need to interpret them with your intuition. But uh, loss um, can also refer to loss of relatives and close friends. So in many cultures they say that if your teeth fall out, it means your relative's going to die. Right, or well, you're going to lose somebody close to you one way or another. Yes. Okay. Do you keep a dream diary? I don't myself. Um, I did write things down, but the, I don't find the need for it at the moment. And also because I, I like to keep these things to myself. I think that's the main reason. But I do recommend that people keep a dream diary. I think most people would want to keep their dreams to themselves, to be honest. That's right. Imagine being <laughs> at work and everybody showing each other's dream diaries. Oh, it would be shocking. But how, how do we keep a dream diary? I mean, like, how, how's it going to, how can we improve how we recall a dream? Because we all know when we wake up, especially if we're having a really nice one, and we wake up first thing, and as soon as we... The problem, though, is that when we're in the, uh, we're not just in in our bodies dreaming, but we're out of the body dreaming. And when we come back from a dream, I don't know if you've ever had a dream where you've well, woken up from sleep and you felt like you were falling back mm -hmm. in the body. If anyone's ever experienced that, they've experienced basically coming back into their body after being asleep. And when you uh, wake up. The, the body that you're with, um, in, we could call it the astral plane, it, it comes back into this one, so it's all locked. When you wake up and you've just, just woken up, then the body is not quite locked. The two bodies haven't quite locked together. And so you can remember your dreams much better like this. Once you move, then the two bodies become locked together and you can't remember your dreams as well. That's the more sort of spiritual explanation. And is that a, a similar explanation to, say, sleep paralysis, if you, if you wake up and you can't move, or sleep blindness where you wake up and you can't see? Yeah, that's because the body is at uh, these stages to stop you walking. 
in your sleep, mm-hmm. you know, because we'd be enacting the dreams and running about and doing all sorts of things if the body didn't do that. So then you you come back, it's paralyzed, um, but you haven't quite woken up. If you wake up properly, then you're not paralyzed. If you come into your body, then you, you, you've woken up essentially, but you're just, again, not quite connected with the physical body and uh, you therefore you can't move it because it can feel that can feel absolutely terrifying it can feel a lot more than your body going through a bit of a process to keep you safe yeah that's right it's because you're not quite in your body and you can sense it and uh, you wonder and in your subconscious where you are and what's about and why can't I move what's gone on Mm-hmm. You know, but it is a it's a natural process of sleep. All of this is a natural process of sleep. It's just that you can't um, really explore it using conventional scientific techniques because you can only look at a body which is sleeping, or in the case of near-death experiences, a body which is dead, and you can't really get to what the person is experiencing. So you then you're left with having to explore it for yourself, and this is what it's about, really. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that these sort of random, what we feel might just be random chaotic images, they're not particularly something that we can read the future with, uh, but they're something that we can assess ourselves by. Definitely we can assess ourselves by them. Very occasionally we we can get that kind of a premonition about something. Um, But that's where you need to use intuition, because intuition then guides us. It says, hold on, there's something about this. anti-Edna or whatever is going to have a stroke, you know, and uh, you can check out the Edna and she's just had a stroke, you know, these things happen quite a lot. There's no mm. scientific explanation for them, um, but they, they do happen. Perhaps your body, your mind is just exploring possible outcomes, possible eventualities. Possibly, but then you've got this strong feeling that anti-Edna is going to have a stroke. Um, so be something more than that and things happen out in that plane before they happen here Mm. so that's how you can get premonitions of things it just then manifests in the three-dimensional world slightly later so is this your your main line of work is to study sleep and to study dreams not really it's to study gnosis which is study of everything that's inside of us but uh, rather than studying it from an external point of view, as a psychologist would, mm-hmm. uh, it's to study it from a personal point of view. For example, if you want to know what anger is like, you, know, you could get accounts of people uh, explaining what it's like. You can measure the body when it's angry, but you won't really get to the feeling of anger. To know what anger is within yourself, you, you simply see it. You see it as you feel in anger. Mm-hmm. And in that way, then, you explore your psyche. You see what... Uh, emotions feel like, how they arise, in what sort of circumstances, and uh, then you look into dreams, and essentially it's it's to to learn about ourselves in a different kind of a way than um, conventional psychology. Okay. Well, obviously the subject that we're talking about today is why so many of us suffer from what feels like a negative dream. When we talk about the, the sort of old wives' tales of don't eat chocolate late at night, don't eat cheese late at night, does our digestion have anything to do or can it affect the, our sort of thought process when we're falling asleep? Yeah, it has quite a bit to do with it. Um, 
it's even worse if we have an upset stomach. We're then much more likely to have a nightmare or an unpleasant dream. There were some uh, people doing a TV show in the 70s, apparently, who um, were trying to find information or, or research into uh, horror films so that they could come up with a TV show on a horror film. Mm-hmm. And what they used to do was to stuff themselves as full as they could just before they went to sleep. They'd have these big banquets and big meals, and then they'd have a lot of nightmares, and they'd, they'd base their TV show then on the nightmares they got from from stuffing themselves full of food as they went to sleep. Good ideas, generally, in terms of, you know, nightmarish stuff? Well, it, <laughs> I, I prefer some uh, different kinds of ideas. Um, nightmares are just so unpleasant, aren't they? they yeah. But um, again, it's down to what's within us, and it's also due to different planes that exist out there. Nightmares take place in a different place than dreams, and it's a more unpleasant place altogether in religions. And that's really what people refer to as hells. Mm-hmm. And people go to these hells um, unconsciously in nightmares occasionally. Okay. When we when we have these sort of negative dreams, do we still benefit from the sleep that we have in the same way as if we were having lovely, warm, fluffy dreams? Yeah, in terms of <clears throat> rest, of rest, yes, we would benefit uh, pretty much the same because the body is asleep, we're out of it. Unless the body itself became agitated and uh, it really disturbed the sleep. But the, normally, whether the dream is good or bad, we're we're out of the body and uh, the body is resting at that time. Okay, Mark, it's been fascinating. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. If somebody wants to find out some information about this out-of-body dreaming, what can they do? Uh, They can go to a website, um, Gnostic Web, uh, where they can uh, get onto an online course. Uh, It's about the the biggest in the world of of this kind. Um, It's at Gnostic Web, dot. Gnosticweb, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-W-E-B dot com. Okay, Mark. And it's free. Okay, keep up the good work. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Gary.